Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Here we are again on one of our field trips, and we are particularly happy because this is Nauvoo. I mean, such an awesome city, city of Joseph, this place that just, ah, this is just amazing. We're going to show you a couple places here, and can't wait to be here to teach this lesson, section 124, um, in this place. Let's catch you up a little bit from last week, history-wise. Joseph, remember, was in Liberty Jail. Those sections we read were right at the end of his stay in in Liberty Jail. And he'll be there um, until April of 1839. But the fall before 1838 is when the extermination order happened. They had to leave Missouri right when he was in prison for all of those months through that winter. And they came across the river into Illinois, but had nowhere to go. But luckily, um, they came into Quincy which is a city that um, everybody who was there just took all of the saints in and gave them shelter and gave them food and took care of them in that place. And remember when President Hinckley dedicated the Nauvoo Temple, he actually uh, paid tribute to that city and the people who were there for their kindness and, and taking care of all the saints. Well, eventually they buy this land where Nauvoo is now. And when they got here, it was a nasty swamp. And they come in the summer of 1839 and it is just gross. And they have to dig all these ditches and work together to drain this place um, to make the city what it is today. And you might remember that when they got here, because it was just mosquito and muck infested, that everybody got sick, Um, either with malaria or some sort of disease like that. It was just gross. And there is a day in history that you ought to go read a little bit more about called what they called the Day of God's Power, where uh, Joseph was sick and he called in, um, oh, was it Brigham? I can't remember. He called in some elders to be healed and then he just started going from tent to tent to tent, healing people of their illnesses. It's almost like this wasn't always the case mm-hmm. with him, but he was just given like the green light mm-hmm. to heal everybody. And he does and he moves. There were even some citizens on the other side of the river from the city called Montrose with a a man with a pair of sick twins, not of our faith, who heard and sent a message to Joseph. And he says, I hear you have the gift to heal. Will you heal my twins who have the same illness? Um, Anyways, just an amazing day with a lot of accounts. And um, that's how like this whole city starts. It's how it all begins. I love thinking when I come here that sometimes in our life we have liberty moments, which is what we talked about last week. And sometimes in our life we have Nauvoo moments. And Nauvoo moments in my mind is a gathering, um, a period of joy, a rest, peace for a time. It's the welcoming in. And that's why we started our video right here is because we wanna talk about some of the lessons from Nauvoo um, that have to do with that welcoming in and um what happened there but do we want to do the proclamation first before yeah, we go there yeah okay okay first well first let's do this because this will be on, on your paper there what we've called like the foundations of this city it's neat that their beginning stories are stories of kindness they're stories of miracles and it's stories of sacrifice and unity 
right? Yeah. Those are the foundations of this city. Navu, a Hebrew word that means beautiful place. Um, and it's neat to think about that. So section 124 comes when they've been here for a while and the city is going and moving. And one of the things that is revealed to them in section 124 is to write a proclamation to the world. Um, we just had one of those recently. Um, that was the sixth proclamation to the world. The fifth one was the one on the family. This was the first one. So in the first couple verses of section 124, there is a, an assignment from the Lord to write a proclamation to earth. And we want to read you a little bit of it because it's so awesome. And let's just say that while you're getting into it. It's okay. going to be a solemn proclamation. Um, it shall be made in verse 2. In verse 3, it shall be made to all the kings of the world, to the four corners thereof, to the honorable president-elect, and the high-minded governors of the nation, and to all the nations of the earth. So it's going to go out everywhere, which in our time, it feels easier than it did in their time. <laughs> um, in fact, just say what it says at the end of the proclamation right now. It's so funny about if you want a copy of this. Oh, yeah. It's like, if you'd like a copy of this, we can give you 100 copies for 50 cents. <laughs> and all editors, will you please put this in your newspapers? <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's awesome. so neat. Um, I love verse 4, which says, Let it be written in the spirit of meekness and by the power of the Holy Ghost, which shall be in you at the time of the writing of the same. So you just love, um, just it's almost like that defines the spirit of a proclamation. Right, at which is a pattern that still continues yeah. today. That same spirit of writing them. So some this of this is, you're going to love. We're just going to read a couple so one-liners from it's it. It's so yeah, it's long. It's the longest proclamation ever written. Yeah, probably. Jenny and three of my kids memorized the proclamation that was given last year from President Nelson at, at conference. And give now I want to give them this one. Okay. <laughs> just like, why don't you try and memorize this one? A proclamation of the twelve apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to all the kings of the world, to the President of the United States of America, to the governors of the several states, and to the rulers and people of all nations. Greeting. And it <laughs> That's says your this. favorite part. <laughs> Ready? Know ye the kingdom of God has come, as has been predicted by ancient prophets and prayed for in all ages, even that kingdom which shall fill the whole earth and shall stand forever that the great Elohim Jehovah has been pleased once more to speak from the heavens. Um, so it's just this very noble and bold and, and beautiful proclamation. And we just want to tell you this one part. It right smack dab in the middle that just like caught our hearts um, as we read it. And it says this, Come then, calling to all these people of the world, Come then to the help of the Lord. Let us have your aid and your protection and your willing and hearty cooperation in this, the greatest of all revolutions. And that to me is so rad to put it in language like that. Like this is a revolution, a fight against evil and a fight for a good cause that will one day have the kingdom of God filling the entire earth. It's I love so awesome. how big they thought from this yes. place, you know, in yeah. a dungeon prison <laughs> that, you know, that, those were the liberty moments, but here in Nauvoo, it's like, oh, it's just growing and big and beautiful. Yep, and, and gathering and, and going so out awesome. all over the whole world. Um, there's several lessons in this chapter. We're going to take you to different parts of Nauvoo for each of the lessons, but we chose this part because one of our favorite lessons from 124 happens here. And it's um, in verses 22 and 23 are where I'm going to start. And this is going to tell you a little bit about this house. 
It says, um, let my servant George and my servant Lyman and my servant John Schneider and others build a house unto my name, such a one as my servant Joseph shall show unto them upon the place which he shall show unto them also. And it shall be, this scripture is so good. This, I have this hanging in my house right above my fireplace. And it shall be for a house for boarding, a house that strangers may come from afar to lodge therein. Therefore, let it be a good house, worthy of all acceptation, that the weary traveler may find health and safety while he shall contemplate the word of the Lord. And then a little bit um, down in the next verse from that, it says, If it shall be built unto my name, it shall be holy. I love that verse so much. In fact, several years ago, I read that verse I, in August. For some reason, I was in this section of the Doctrine and Covenants, and I read that verse, and I thought, I really want that to be my house. That's, that's how I want my house to be described. And I was riding in the car with Megan and Grace, and I said to them, what if we choose a theme scripture for the school year? We had never done that before in our life, but just that year, it felt like the right thing to do. And, and maybe you've always picked a theme scripture for your school year, or maybe you never have in your life. And, and there's an invitation for you. Some years are really good for a theme scripture for the year. So my girls loved the scripture too. So we were like, yeah, that will be our scripture. And what we wanted to learn from it was this idea of that people could come. Um, it would be a good house. Everyone was going to be welcome there and um, they'd find safety there. And you'd be able to talk about the word of the Lord there. I just loved that it was this welcoming in and this gathering spot. And in my mind, this is what I envisioned for that year. Megan was a senior. Grace was in ninth grade. And I thought to myself, what I will do to live the scripture is I will make sure my pantry is always full with brownies and stuff to make Rice Krispie treats. And I will get enough stuff that if anyone wants to come over for lunch ever during the school year, my girls could bring their friends home and we would give lunch to people. And in my mind, that was how we were going to live out that scripture. It's so interesting to me when the Spirit and I do not have matching visions of how the year's going to turn out. Because what really happened, I did go buy all the brownies and the Rice Krispie Treat stuff and also all the lunch stuff just in case someone showed up. And then what happened is in October, someone did show up. There was a knock on the door and it was a boy from the lacrosse team my husband had coached who wanted to turn his life around. Um, he had seen what had happened in Garrett's life. Garrett was currently serving his mission and he wanted to have the same experience and start going to church again. And he wanted to prepare for a mission and he asked if he could move in the house. And so we put him in the room upstairs. No one was using it, so that was perfect. We put him in the room upstairs. Well, in December, Greg's sister called and um, had been having troubles in her marriage and had decided that she needed to separate from her husband for a time. And she called to ask if we had a place where she could come and stay while that was going in. And so she moved in with her kids. And as we thought about the best thing to do, we decided maybe she should go in the basement where the girls' room was, Megan and Grace. And we decided to move them into the little living room with the grand piano, which was fine because we just put bunk beds in there. And I bought one of those little divider things. And also those little stand-up hanging things for their closets. We just stuck them in there. And that was perfect. Greg um, had an office upstairs where there were six people who their business was up there. So that was the other bedroom. 
And, um, but it was going to be fine. Everything was going to be fine. And then we had a son come home from his mission and we just stuck him up in the room with Ian. And four months later, we had another son come home from his mission. So we stuck him up in the room with Ian. And there was a boy in our neighborhood who was struggling at the time. He was okay to sleep at his house, but he wanted to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and spend every waking hour at ours. So he lived in the kitchen. That's what happened with him. And then Caleb was going to come home for the summer from college. His, his uh, thing, his rent had ended. And by the time we got to Caleb, there was going to be 11 people living in our house at that time. And I can remember when Caleb was coming home thinking, somebody's got to go. Like, we don't have any more room and we don't have any more money for all these people that we're feeding. And I knelt down to pray about what were we going to do. We had a, a business that was not thriving. We had all these people living in the house. Um, meanwhile, all those four kids who were now in high school who lived in my house did bring their friends home for lunch. And we made turkey bacon avocado sandwiches every single day for lunch and used all the brownies and all the Rice Krispies all the time. And I can remember kneeling down and saying to the Lord, I don't have any more room. The only place that was left was to put a mattress under the ping pong table in the basement. That was it. That was all that was left. And as I thought about who was going to go under the ping pong table, and I just knelt down and said, stop, we have no more vacancies here. Um, the Spirit said to me, and, and no way to feed all the people. The Spirit said to me, is the boy upstairs more important than the ping pong table? Which is clear as day. And of course, the boy was more important than the ping pong table. And then the Spirit said this, you provide the space let me provide the means. And um, we were provided for in that time, miraculously provided for. And I look back at that time and it is some of the sweetest memories of the house that we live in. And what I will remember the most um, for the rest of my life about our house is that little window of time, which was what we call the welcoming in. That's what it was. And um, the moments I will remember most are around the kitchen counter, making those brownies and the Rice Krispie treats and the turkey sandwiches every day for lunch. You even came over sometimes that yep. year for lunch with all those <laughs> kids in the kitchen. That's when Caleb wrote that email and he said, oh, and when did David become a member of the family? Do you remember? Like, or was that on his mission? I can't remember when he was like, P.S. Everyone wanted to move in. And... The other times that I won't ever forget are um, we moved scripture study till 945 at night so everyone could come, even the boy down the street. And we would all squish together in our family room, which is not very big, and everyone had a certain place. And we would read our scriptures for 15 minutes and then we would talk. And I just, every time I read this, I think to myself, about this house for boarding, a house that strangers may come to lodge in, a good house that everyone would be welcome in, that the weary traveler would find health and safety while he would contemplate the word of the Lord. And that is what that year was. It was just a time when we were all strengthened by each other and by the word of the Lord. And every time I come to Nauvoo, this is the place I stop first because this is what I want in a home. If I could have anything 
for a home. I don't care what the front looks like. I don't care what color the carpet is. I don't care what the furniture is, but I want my home forever to be known as this home, as a section 124-23 home. That's, that's the definition of the home I want. And this house that they built behind us was really built for that purpose, to be a, a hotel. Those verses are talking about a hotel, but what's so interesting is if you didn't know that, you would think they were talking about a temple. Um, it's so powerful to me that he uses the same words for a, a place of hospitality that he's going to use for a place of worship, mm -hmm. which I think that's really, really instructive in this section. Because then next, right after, he's going to say, and they want you to build a, a house of God, a, meaning a temple. It's funny because it really yes, is the they same They really are so close. In words. fact, you have to watch to see which house he's talking about. Um, this house he gives a name for in verse 60. It's going to be the Nauvoo house is what he's going to call it. A resting place for the weary. Um, which and I just all the love. like dignitaries and everybody yes, that they planned on in. coming to yes. Nauvoo. Um, and then the other house will obviously be the Nauvoo temple. And so you want to watch for references to both. Yeah, you'll find at least some of the verses about the Nauvoo temple starting in verse 26. And I have always loved um, the way that these verses talk about it because for Solomon's temple um, and the temple in the wilderness with Moses, there is really similar language because it says in 26, send swift messengers, chosen messengers, and say to them, Come with your gold and your silver, your precious stones, with all your antiquities. Those who have knowledge of antiquities come. Bring the box tree and the fir tree and the pine tree with all the precious trees and iron and copper and zinc and brass with all your precious things of the earth and build a house to my name for the most high to dwell therein. And I love the thought of him saying, we are about to build a house to honor and, and worship God. So bring the very best that you have. Bring your finest. And that is a principle that we've mm. talked about a lot and we love so much that it's like in both of those places, if you're going to be showing love to God, bring your finest. And if you're going to be showing love to people, bring your finest. And that is, it, this city encapsulates what it looks like to live the two great commandments in action on the banks of a muddy river. And we, go oh. ahead. I was going to say, we want to pause really quickly before we go into two more stories that are so good. So don't not come back. Um, but we just can't resist moving to the other welcoming in house, which is just up the corner from here. And having Jason sing a hymn that we both of us just love, it kind of describes that feeling of the um, loving God, loving people, that welcoming in that was so much a part of Nauvoo. In fact, as you're listening, I just want you to think, and, and you'll have a chance to see all of Nauvoo um, footage with all of these houses, but one of the traditions of Nauvoo that I love so much is um, they all had candles that they hung in their windows and in their front windows, and at night, if they were receiving visitors, they would light the candle in the window, and it meant that anyone who was walking down the street could go in and just visit for the evening. Don't you wish we did that even still now? Listen, we're gonna find a way for you to get those candles. We oh, have got to. It's so cute. Cause you like just, you pass a house and you're like, this is a house of where welcoming you, yeah, in. the door's unlocked. Yes. In this one. Oh, so fun. Don't so you want be to? thinking going, about that um, as we take you over to this house. Cause you're, oh, 
You're just gonna love this part. And of then Nauvoo. after the song, we're gonna meet you at another house. My favorite that you're going house. To die My favorite over. house in Nauvoo. <laughs> no one ever goes to it, but now it's gonna have the longest line, everyone. I know it is because it's gonna be your favorite house too. Okay, here's the song. Okay, we lied. Well, the song is coming, but before we just wanted you to see this door of this house and just let you know for a second what we are standing in front of. And it was after a couple of years. Oh, is anyone home? Did we no, knock, no just knock on it? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I said it. No, you did I that. And I thought someone was coming out. <laughs> the ghosts have passed. Um, we wish they would. That'd be so fun to have them in the story. But uh, this was a house after they lived in Nauvoo for a couple of years. They built this house they called the Mansion House because um, it was a big enough house to host everything. Even when they lived in their smaller house, um, their kids said later on in their lives, people always came through our house. They were always there, like nonstop, open door policy. And it's neat to think that they like, let's build a bigger house so we can invite more people. And it just kind of was a center of life and fun in Nauvoo. They even built a hotel onto the side of it before they were gonna build the big old one down by the river. And I just, that's so fun. As a person who loves like people, you know, like, like I want all people. And I, when I was little, I would always sleep with my door open just in case something fun happened downstairs that I was gonna miss out on. So <laughs> I so wanna live, in, I wanna live in this house with everybody else. When we got up on this porch, we were all saying, what was our favorite story from this house? And we love Jason's. Oh, listen, I, I just love that this house was, there was a Christmas party one Christmas Eve here that Emma had thrown and uh, Porter Rockwell had been almost a year in prison and so his hair had grown out down to here in the front and down the middle of his back and it was right here that he became the modern day Samson in this house that night because he walked in and the mob trouble was, was problematic enough at the time that people didn't know who this guy was and they were really worried that he was somebody bad. But Joseph, recognized him right away, went across and hugged him and he gave him a blessing in this house that night that uh, that if he wouldn't cut his hair like Samson of old, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, his enemies would never take his life. And he, he died at 78 years old as an old man. And hmm. uh, I just love that story. And what right did everybody think when this ruffian walks in and Joseph just hugs him? <laughs> right. like, Hi. It's so awesome. So cute. Hey, they were glad he was here later. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of this porch, hands down, is uh, that this is where Jane James came and first met the prophet and Emma, who would become a dear, dear friend of hers. Um, if you don't know that story, you should watch the movie Jane and Emma. It's such a good story from the Nauvoo era. And what's so fun is Jenny is FaceTiming Jane right now, who oh, is you're named Jane. after, my little Jane is named after yeah. uh, Jane oh, James here. I just here, love so that story. you got to tell her to point um, the camera. This house just um, exudes love. It just does. Everything about this house does. So we're going to invite you to listen to this song uh, with Jason. Fathers, sons, and daughters are facing troubled waters. But when we stand together, there's no storms we can't weather. Traveling down life's long road, let us lay our heavy on he who's risen high above and lean on each other lean on each other 
Lean on each other in His love. Lean on each other. Lean on each other. Lean on each other in His love. When you think you're on your own, you don't have to walk alone. Fill your heart this Sabbath day and join as one in holy praise. Traveling down life's long road, let us lay our heavy load on He who's risen high above and lean on each other. Lean on each other, lean on each other in His love. We stand as one, we stand as one, mm-hmm. traveling down life's long road. Let us On He who's risen high above And lean on each other Lean on each other Lean on each other In His love Lean on each other Lean on each other Lean on each other In His love Amen. Okay, we're at my favorite house in Nauvoo right now. This is the Sarah Granger Kimball home. One thing we want you to know right off the bat about Sarah Granger Kimball is that her dad was Oliver Granger. And do you remember his story? He's the one who was sent back to Kirtland to try and settle all that debt. He's the one who the Lord said his sacrifice would be more important to him than his increase. And I love that that is Sarah's dad because we're going to see that he handed that down to her. Um, Sarah is um, came to Nauvoo. She married someone who was not a member of this faith, and which is interesting to me. And one of the things that I love that she still was so committed into what was going on here, um, even as she worked through that with her marriage. Her husband will eventually convert to the faith. They have six kids. Three of them are adopted, and you're just dying to know all the stories about this woman. She was a thinker. She's a go-getter. She's strong-minded. She will have a lot to do with women's suffrage. Um, so just one of those women that you just can't help but admire. One of the things I read about her once is they said, she is the kind of woman who has the courage to say what she thinks. Oh, so what do you want yes. to think about that? I just love women like that. So um, one of my favorite things about this woman that we don't ever talk about is it was um, Sarah Granger Kimball who had the idea that is going to lead to the Relief Society program of the entire church. And this is where it happened, was in this house. And what happened is every day when she was in her kitchen, just doing the work of being in this home, she could look out the window and it probably was that window right there. And she had a straight shot view to the building of the temple that was going on. And every day as she would watch out that window, 
she would think to herself, what could I do to help further the work? And obviously the women were not up there cutting stone and, and doing all the work of building a temple, but she really wanted to be involved in that. And so um, she talked to her, her friend who was a good seamstress and she said to her, I'm not great at sewing, but I could buy the flannel. And her friend said, I could sew. And what if we got a whole bunch of women together and we, we just had this little society that would start making flannel shirts for the men who were working at the temple. And so they decided that's what they were going to do. There were 12 women who came to that very first meeting and talked about how as a women's society they could sacrifice for the good of what was happening here. When I go in that house, I love to stand at the window and just look out at the temple. There's a tree in the way of this window now. So if you ever come here, you have to actually stand in this window right here and you just have a clear view of the temple. And I love that Sarah Granger Kimball was a woman whose home was faced towards the temple and that it was that temple that helped to mold and um, create all of the desires of what she was doing in her day to day. It makes me think to myself, am I that same um, type of woman that I would do that? And the thought that she brings these women all together and then they're gonna have these future service projects. And this is, um, from this meeting is when Eliza R. Snow puts together that um, formal guidelines that they're going to have. And then they're gonna end up moving um, over to the red brick store, which we're gonna take you to in just a minute, and, and starting what will become the great Relief Society that fills the entire earth. Um, one of the words we wanna focus on right now in this next segment, we have two stories we're gonna tell you, Sarah's is one of the stories, is the word if. It's so interesting in scripture when the Lord uses a word like if, because what it tells us is, He's going to give us an invitation that if we enter into, great blessings will come. And one of those invitations has to do with the building up of the Nauvoo Temple. And it's an invitation that Sarah Granger Kimball grabbed onto. And it changed not just her destiny, but the destiny of every single woman in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's found in section 124, verses 43 and 44. And it says this, talking about the temple. And ye shall build it on the place where you have contemplated building it. For that is the spot which I have chosen for you to build it. If you labor with all your might, I will consecrate that spot that it shall be made holy. And I love that if in there. If you labor with all your might. It's so individual. It's individual to every person who lives in all of Nauvoo. And that if included a woman who lived in a tiny white house on the outskirts of town who just in her normal ordinary duty and work of her house would look out her window every single day and say how can I help and her accepting that if to labor with all her might is going to create a holy place not just for her and not just for those 12 sisters who walked in the door of this home and had a vision of a group of women who would be able to serve, not just in Nauvoo, but eventually across the whole entire world. That one if, and this one window in this house and that view of the temple created something bigger than Sarah Granger Kimball could have probably ever imagined. 
And when Joseph hears about this conversation that takes place in the walls of this home, he says to all these ladies in Nauvoo, you all come over to the red brick store because I have something in mind for you that is um, bigger than any of them probably could have imagined. So we want to take you from Sarah Granger Kimball's house over now to the red brick store and just tell you a little bit about that. But before we do that, I just think when you were reading that, there's that one spot in 43 where he says, they're talking about the temple, but it says, build it on the place that you contemplated building it. And I love that someone had already been thinking in their mind, this would be a good spot for a temple. Hmm. And the Lord's like, yep, that little contemplation is spirit led. And, just and how like, her, right, her yes. idea is like, hey, you know that idea you've been contemplating as you've been looking out the window? Move on it. Because you one. moving on that one is about to turn into something. Holy. Yeah. Oh, so it's that so is neat so good. About. So we're going to take you over now to the red brick store, which you're also going to love. There's not one bit of this whole video today that you're not going to love. <laughs> That's a prophecy. <laughs> Um, okay, this is the red brick store, everybody. So it's in the top of this store where the Release Society comes together. Like it all comes to fruition. And I love that as they're talking about what the name of that organization is going to be, um, they toss around the idea of Release Society. And Eliza R. Snow actually does not like the name at all because she said it sounds as though they were responding to extraordinary occasions instead of meeting the common occurrence. And you love Emma's reply to that. She says, we are going to do something extraordinary. We expect extraordinary occasions and pressing calls. Who loves that vision from the very beginning from Emma? Um, Sarah Granger Kimball, you love the end of her story as much as you love the beginning here in Nauvoo. And that um, what we learned about her, about contemplating and always just thinking about how to gather the women of the church, that's what she'll spend the entire rest of her life doing, is gathering and leading the women of the church. In 1867, she's called to be the Relief Society president in her ward in Salt Lake, um, and it's a position that she will serve in for the rest of her life until she dies. 42 years, she's mm. the Relief Society president. Can you imagine 42 years? Um, bless. I also love um, that she is the one in 1868, you love this, that laid the cornerstone for the first Relief Society building mm. of the church. Um, don't you love that they chose her? I just a little bit love because she's the one who just stood at that window and saw the temple and was like, I could help with flannel shirts, you mm. know? And then that's the beginning of that whole thing. Um, then, in addition to being the Ward Relief Society president, she got called to be the general secretary of the Relief Society. And after that, she became a counselor in the General Relief Society. And she served both callings, the counselor in the General Relief Society and the president of her Relief Society. Here's your favorite. At the same time? At the same time, till she died. She called herself as the first counselor? No. She served as a counselor in the general oh. Relief Society president. <laughs> I was like, was there no one else confusing. that could help? She served as a counselor in the general Relief Society, everybody, and still was her ward Relief Society president. Um, she died on December 1st, 1898. And this is what I love about her. Guess what it says on her tombstone? Strong-minded and warm-hearted. Mm. Isn't that so cute? We love her. So as you think about Sarah Granger Kimball, 
Um, we want you to think of the power of that word if and those moments when we contemplate what the Lord might have in store for us um, as we look to future events and future things that we might be involved in and, and just that blessing that comes when we take the ifs that the Lord invites us into. Yeah, because it's going to extend even bigger than just a worldwide organization. It's really powerful to me that the Relief Society was organized up on the second floor of this building. Um, this is an ancient wagon passing behind us. Like we have <laughs> gone back in time, essentially. You're welcome. But up on the upper floor of this building, when Joseph gathers them together and he says, oh, like what you've put together is really powerful and it's really good, but not quite big enough. He says to them, this society is to get instruction through the order which God has established, through the medium of those appointed to lead. And now I turn a key in the name of God and this society shall rejoice and knowledge and intelligence shall flow down from this time. Do you remember when Joseph organized what was called the School of the Prophets back in Kirtland, where it was a society of people gathered together to prepare themselves um, to enter into the presence of God? And you love, let me just add in yeah. here, that Sarah Granger Kimball, did you know, attended those meetings? She yeah, was yeah, part of yeah, that. Yeah. I just love the thought of that. Now it is being extended to all the women of the church, this School of the Prophetesses. And up here in the second floor is where the ordinances of the endowment and sealing um, were first administered. And that is how Joseph connected them together. That the Relief Society was to prepare women to enter into the presence of God, to be sealed together, kings and queens, priests and priestesses. It had a big, big uh, mission. In fact, if you look in that, in that chapter that we've been in, um, chapter 124, section 124, here are a couple purposes of the temple that they were building and it will connect it to the purposes of Relief Society. I mean, it's crazy mm -hmm. just looking out the window with a flannel shirt. Yes. It's like, oh, my darling. Yeah. Uh, three verses to look at. The purposes of the temple. 28, to restore again that which was lost or which he has taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. And also in verse 40, where he says, and verily let this house be built that I may reveal ordinances unto my people and 55 which says um, build this house and look at the end that i may bless you and crown you with honor immortality and eternal life the vision that he had for this society of women that began in a small window with a flannel shirt is just extraordinary and um, astounding to even think about just with that word if now we're gonna go over to another spot to tell you another story that includes um, that word as well. Okay, this is our last stop in Nauvoo, which makes you kind of sad, sorry, but you'll just have to come here another time. But it is so fascinating to walk up and down these streets and look at the names of people on all the houses. Some of them you recognize and some of them you don't. And just to consider what God did in all of their individual lives. And to think like, what great things can he do with me? And what great things are in store uh, for me? Am I gonna be a Sarah Granger Kimball? Or am I gonna be someone like William Law? This story here in this um, section here is it's so heartbreaking in actuality, but it's like thrilling with possibility at the same time. But if you go in that section we've been in 124, 
William Law is called to the first presidency as a counselor in the first presidency. And he's given these potential promises. If in 97, it says he'll be humble and receive my spirit, even the comforter who will manifest unto him the truth of all things. He says, and these signs shall follow him. This is verse 98, that he will heal the sick. He will cast out devils, will be delivered from those who try to give him deadly poison. He'll be led in paths that cannot hold him. And this line, I love this line. And he shall mount up in the imagination of his thoughts as upon eagles' wings. Just to think about the potential to do the very work of Jesus himself. That is his potential. And then this verse is our favorite. Verse 100. Oh, we're so glad it's 100, right? <laughs> now you'll never, <laughs> you know, because that's like the best of the best, right? And it says, and what if? And what if I will that he should raise the dead? Just to think, what if I used him to do something extraordinary as raising the dead? And then this advice, let him not withhold. It's so interesting that there were those verses with Sarah Granger Kimball that said, that we talked about contemplating and follow those contemplations. The same invitation was given uh, to William. You, let your imagination run on eagle's wings. Don't withhold. Anything and everything is possible with you and the path in front of you. Sadly, William will ignore that counsel. Sarah Granger Kimball's following that path will lead in the Relief Society. With, can you imagine multiplying all the Relief Societies across the world? What miracles, what like relief, yeah. uh, what glory you're finding so with that? And William Law will forever be known as being one associated with the martyrdom that um, turned Joseph's name over uh, to be killed eventually. But like I said, it was heartbreaking with what actually happened. But the advice there is actually thrilling when we think about what's in front of us. What if? What if God could lead us to do the miraculous? What if he could lead us to, to bring down the miracles and the powers and the glory of heaven. The advice in there is let your imaginations run on eagle's wing and let him not withhold what it is that God can actually do. We hope that is something that you remember from this place in Nauvoo. Yeah, we love that lesson. Just as you look at, and we probably should just pull it all together. Um, this was such a what if place. It was such a place of potential and promise. And we started out at the mansion house and talked about just that welcoming in and then the temple and that um, preparing for what was going to lie ahead for them. And then these two what ifs, um, Sarah Granger Kimball, who that one thought led to um, the whole Relief Society and William Law, who we should remind them is the one who um, started the expositor and wrote the letter and is the domino effect that leads to the death of Joseph Smith. And just that thought of the what ifs in our life that we can take either side of that coin. We can embrace it and fill the earth with goodness um, or um, the opposite and just end um, what is happening. And to and think about that as we leave from this place, which one are you and, and what what ifs are you taking in your life and not to limit God. Yeah, it's cool. I was just thinking that in the beginning when they got here and it was just a muddy swampland and to see like yes. what it became. And isn't that neat when you think about 
him calling, Jesus calling fishermen just on the shores of that normal sea, those rough fishermen on just a, the banks of a lake. Yes. And to see what, like the what ifs and the, like that is of where he life. shines, you Which know? makes me want to go back to the proclamation and that one line in there that they invite the entire world, all the kings and oh, princes yeah. and, what was the and line? everybody. The um, greatest of be, revolutions. Yeah, the greatest of revolutions. It, this was such a what if. Um, community and place in the world and you feel the spirit of it when you come here so this will be the end of um of what is Nauvoo for us and when are we doing oh no we'll be back with more teachings yeah because we have to go to Carthage and then we still have to go to we still have to go to Carthage and we're gonna do the trail of hope yeah and wait there's something else really awesome Parley Baptisms Street. for the dead and parley. Like, there's, wait, yeah, this is just the first time of Nauvoo. Welcome yeah. to the party. Don't it's you just worry, getting there's started. So many things still to come. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week. <laughs>